You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. I've entitled our message this morning, It Is Written. We are going to talk about an unpopular topic, nevertheless, in our culture today. And along with pastors again all over this nation, throughout Canada, are addressing the most avoided topic in our day, if not one of the most controversial topics that we have to deal with, and that is biblical sexuality or the lack thereof. It deals with all of the current modern day movements of the LGBTQ movement. It deals with the biblical design of manhood and womanhood. It deals with God's design for marriage, gender gender identity, and sexual immorality. But know this, more importantly, I would like to suggest and argue that more than anything, all of these issues that we face in our day deal with the question, has God really said? It's the same framework that we find in Genesis chapter 3 at the fall of man. It's just packaged differently. Genesis 3, 1 Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which Yahweh God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed has God said that you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And to that I respond, Oh, it is written. In regards to the feminism in our day, in regards to homosexuality and transgenderism and gender identity and sexual purity and the biblical view of manhood and womanhood and the design of marriage is all rooted in the breakdown of the authority of the Word of God. There's a major confusion. But I believe it's more than a confusion. It's a sheer rejection. The truth of God's Word. And to that I reply, it is written. Sola Scriptura. It's a Latin phrase. Sola meaning alone or the grounds or the base. And and the word Scriptura meaning writings. Thus the Word of God. And thus Sola Scriptura means that it is Scripture alone is authoritative for the faith and the practice of true Christianity. The Bible is complete, my friend. It is authoritative and it is all true. And thus we read in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is what? It's inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man and woman of God may be adequately equipped for all good works. But there will come a day Flip over to 2 Timothy this morning. Look at chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 
4. Paul, speaking to his protege, Timothy, says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by His appearing and His kingdom. And then He instructs His young pastor, preach the Word. Preach the Bible. Preach sola scriptura. Preach the Word. In season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Knowing that there will come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. It's here. It's here. We are living in this day and have been for quite some time. It was Martin Luther the founder of the Lutheran church and father of the Protestant Reformation that was publicly rebuking the Catholic church for its heresies, for its unbiblical teachings. But of course, this Catholic church wanted to cause fear in this man, and so the Catholic church threatened Martin Luther that they would excommunicate him and even kill him if he failed to recant against what he had been teaching. But like so many before him, and like so many after him, he refused to stop speaking truth. Now they wanted to drive fear and to prevent uh, the truth of God's Word from being spoken, but they failed like they are doing in Canada with this C4 bill that's passed that ultimately tries to prevent pastors and biblical counselors and teachers and really anyone that would try to convince someone that they are anything outside of what they claim to be. That's crazy in itself. Meaning if you are a biological man, and if there's any confusion, I'm sure you can figure that out, And they choose to claim to be a woman, which is contradictory to their biology. A pastor now can be locked up for five years in prison for telling them that they are not what they claim to be and that they could lovingly and compassionately and graciously take them through the Scriptures to show them that they are a unique creation in God's image. Now they're in jail. So if a child came to me, and said, Pastor, I'm struggling with same-sex attraction. Pastor, I, I know that I am a man biologically, but I, I, I want to be a woman. I, if in Canada, could be in prison for counseling that young man to a biblical perspective of manhood and womanhood. I could be convicted of trying to convert him anything outside of that which he believed to be true about himself. 
So they put a law into effect. And thus it's punishable. If you try to implement what they call conversion therapy. But I am certain there will be many preachers that will respond like Martin Luther did and they are this morning. Martin Luther, in his reply to the Catholic Church in their threats, said this, Unless therefore I am convinced by the testimony of Scripture or by the clearest reasoning, unless I am persuaded by means of the passages I have quoted, and unless they thus render my conscience bound by the Word of God, I cannot and will not retract, for it is unsafe for a Christian to speak against his conscience. Here I stand. I could do no other. May God help me. Amen. The attacks against the authority of Scripture are the real issue in our day. But nevertheless, I want to submit to you, it is written. I love the choice words of Martin Luther here. When he said it is unsafe for Christians to speak that which is against his conscience, ultimately that which he does not believe to be true, thus believes it to be error, and thus biblically believes it to be false. And so he suggests, I cannot do that. Whatever the cost, whether it be death, whether it be imprisonment, to God be the glory. And as Polycarp said, I count it a privilege to drink the cup of Christ as he was burned at the stake. I suggest we follow the instructions of 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, be diligent to present yourselves approved to what? Whom? God. Not man. God. Not the culture. Not some movement. And certainly not some heretical, convoluted, gross interpretation of God's living and active Word. No, be diligent, he says in verse 15, to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. Because it is written, my friends. So let us this morning consider these truths. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. And we'll be reading all of these. When you get there, say Amen. For those that don't have Bibles, there are PowerPoints available for you. I would suggest you bring your Bibles to church. If we're going to be locked up for them, we ought to be keeping them close to our sides. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed against from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world is invisible attributes, both His eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen, being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, 
They did not glorify Him as God, nor give Him thanks. But they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the likeness of corruptible men and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over to the lust of their hearts to impurity. So their bodies would be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. For their females exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also males abandoned the natural function of the female and burned in their desire toward one another. Males with males committing indecent acts and receiving their own persons, the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to an unfit mind to do the things which are not proper, having been filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, envy, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, violent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the righteous requirement of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Three things I want us to address in this large portion of Scripture. I'm sure there are many directions we could go here, but for the sake of the time we have, three things I do want us to see. First, I want you to see the character of God. Secondly, I want you to see the compromise of the people. And thirdly, I want you to see the consequences of the compromise. Let us dive into the character. The text begins in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, I think it to be very vital to hear, consider, the character of Almighty God. One of the main arguments that you and I will encounter when we stand for a biblical, moral sexuality in a culture that is perverse is that your methods and your ideas are not very loving. And God is love. But can we be frankly honest this morning? And admit that yes, while God exemplifies the character of love, 
mercy, and of grace. He is also a God who exemplifies the characteristic of wrath. We don't get to pick and choose the characters of God. They are what they are, and He he is who He is. The wrath of God is not just simply taught in the Bible here and there. Rather, what we find is that it is indeed a prominent truth of God's character throughout all of Scripture. A.W. Pink calls attention to this in his book when he says, a study of the concordance will show that there are more references in Scripture to the anger, fury, and wrath of God than there are to His love and tenderness. Why? Because He is wrath. So I find it very acceptable at this point in the text to consider and understand and reveal the reality that yes, while God is a God of mercy and grace and of compassion, yet He is a God of wrath, my friends. Now I know you don't hear that today because that doesn't fill churches. But you know what? We got enough of filling churches. Filling churches will cause what's happening in Canada to happen here. Who cares about how many people are in the building? Are we truly understanding what the Word of God says? Are we examining the Scriptures and and proclaiming the warnings to people? I listened to an interview with two men, Sean and Colby, that Jerry shared with me as one progressive, quote, Christian, versus a, a... evangelical Christian who holds the truth to the Bible, let me tell you what, it is absolutely nauseating how deceptive and crafty the progressive liberal agenda is in the church. Oh, there will be a day of reckoning, my friends. But nevertheless, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness in unrighteousness, of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So it's very clear that when Martin Luther says it's unsafe for the Christian to agree and to support that which is contrary to his conscience and that which the Scriptures are very clear about, because why? The wrath of God is at stake. Romans 1.18 defines it. That there is a reality of unrighteousness that really exists in our day. An ungodliness that exists in our day. Which presupposes that there is a righteousness and a godliness that exists. So please forgive me this morning if I am unwilling to say something that God says is evil and ungodly. That it is ungodly and evil. That it is sinful because He says it's sinful. Because at the end of the day, if you have a problem with the position of the Word of God, your problem isn't with me, the preacher. Your problem is with the authority of Almighty God and His Word. Because His Word is good. It is pleasing. And it is perfect. And it is sufficient. And it is all authoritative. For it is written. The character of God is consistent 
has been throughout the Scriptures. God's wrath has been revealed in the Old Testament. We don't talk about it, but it re- is a reality a very lot of times. And so here are a couple of events that you may need the reminding of. When we see God's wrath poured out in the flood. When He killed all of humanity. Destroyed human life. All but a few. Eight in total. We see God's wrath poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 19. Read it. He rained down fire from heaven and burnt it. And when Lot's wife turned around to look, she even turned into a pillar of salt. God is not a God who plays. God is not a God who will be trifled with. There will come a time, my friend, when He will pour out His wrath and His judgment. How about the ten plagues in Egypt? With the final death angel passing over, all who were not covered in the blood of the Lamb. Devastating. Never has there been a cry like that in Egypt. Listen, not only has God's wrath over and over and over been shown and proven in the Old Testament, but God's wrath has also been shown and proven in the New Testament and also predicted for a future wrath to come. Now this doesn't mean that the wrath of God that is revealed is not in the now. Look here in Romans chapter 1. He says, for the wrath of God is what? Revealed. It is in the present tense. You can't get away from that in the Greek. It's a present wrath that is to be revealed. Doesn't mean there's not some future wrath because we know there is. There is a future wrath that God will pour out on all humanity at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven with His mighty angels in a flaming fire for which God says that He will in 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9 that He will be dealing out retribution or He will be executing His vengeance on those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These, he says, will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of His might. The character of God is wrath, my friends. And the very act of wrath is justice, and therefore it is a loving wrath, a justified wrath. I mean, you think about all of those Christians over the years and even today that are being persecuted for their faith and are being killed, their heads cut off, they're tied to a stake and set on fire and called to recant and they refused. Is it not just that God give them their due penalty? Now we pray for their salvation. Even the wickedest man's able to come to Christ. But he tells us that he will pour out his wrath. And thus we are not to. He says in Romans 12, 17 to 19, never pay back evil to evil for anyone, to anyone. Respect what is good in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is revealed 
that God has written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, thus says the Lord. He's going to pay back His wrath. And we care enough about your soul to tell you that. We don't want to tickle your ears. We don't want your money. We don't want your presence enough to tickle your ears and tell you lies. We need to understand, friends, that it is God's character. And yes, God is love and God is merciful and God is compassion. But when it comes to unrighteousness, when it comes to unholiness, when it comes to sin, when it comes to all of these matters, God is a righteous judge and He will and is going to pour out His wrath on all unrighteousness and all unholiness. And specifically in the text in Romans 1.18 those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. For the wrath of God is revealed against heaven, against all, verse 18, uh, uh, of unrighteousness, of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. The point is that a claim is made for truth. They know it's true, but they want to suppress it and so they deny it in practice. They want to hold it down. They want to keep it from coming up. Why? Because in verse 19, that which is known about God is evident within them. The character of God is, yes, goodness. God has given them in this moment, not as the only a God had the character of wrath, He has a character of goodness. And what we find here is common grace that He has given to all men. Both believer and unbeliever. He causes the rain to, to fall on the just and the unjust. But common grace is not saving grace. But He gives common grace to both those who are children of God and those who are children of Satan. You fall into one of those two categories. We know that God has written the law on their hearts, the hearts of mankind, so they know that they are wrong, but rather they... Instead, they suppress the truth and unrighteousness and try to justify their activities. And I'm not just speaking to homosexuals here. I'm not speaking to just transgenders. I'm talking to all humanity who take any sin and suppress it because they enjoy the lifestyle. They like having a, a, a woman in the home whom they are sleeping with. They're not married to. Listen, this covers everybody. God is not a respecter of men. All sin is sin in the eyes of God. But they know it's wrong. He's written the law on their hearts. And the reason they know it's wrong and the reason I know it's wrong is that God has made it evident with them. For God, He says in, in the verse 19, God made it evident to them. Verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, both His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen. Not hazy, not mm, maybe, no, clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. I mean, could you imagine standing before Almighty God and Him looking at you and saying, I've given you everything pertaining to life and to godliness. I've given you my divine power through creation so that you know I am a true God who created everything. 
And if you understand that God exists, then there is the lawgiver who tells you what's right and wrong. You are without excuse. I am without excuse. No one can escape the reality of God's divine visibility throughout history, since the creation of the world. Listen, you can deny all you would like that there is a created order. You can deny the fact that God made man and woman in the garden and called it good. You can deny that sex before marriage is sin. Well, we're going to get married. No, it's sin. You can deny that anything outside of one man and one woman and the beans of marriage and a commitment of a lifetime of of God in His created order. You can deny it. You can deny that God's designed that He made you as a male and you as a female. You can deny that homosexuality is a sin. You can suppress the truth and unrighteousness all you would like. But I'm here to tell you, my friends, it is written. Wrath be against you lest you repent. That's what we need to tell people. Not pat them on the back. The house is on fire. And they're in it. And if you fail to warn them, then you would call me unjust if I could deliver my children from a burning home. And I didn't. Well, I don't want to offend them. They might get mad at me if I tell them the house is on fire. No, you would say, do whatever you can. Break the window, jump through, pull them out. If they're going to go to hell, at least they can go to hell with you and I wrapped around their knees, begging them to receive God's grace and forgiveness. Genesis 1.27 says, And God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. It is written, my friend. He said in Genesis 1.24, Therefore a man shall leave, that's masculine, shall leave his father, man, and his mother, feminine, and they shall leave and cleave to his wife in the feminine, and they shall become one flesh. It is written, my friend. He said in 1 Corinthians 7, 2-3, But because of sexual immorality, each man is to have his own wife. And each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. It is written, my friend. Listen, God created marriage, which He defines as a lifelong and exclusive covenant between one man and one woman. It's written. He says in Leviticus 18.22, And you shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. It says in 1 Corinthians 6 9, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminates, nor homosexuals. And here in our text this morning, probably the one of the most clearest places in all of the Word of God. 
that we are reminded as well that it is an honoring to God, but it is a sin. For this reason, verse 26 of Romans 1, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. For their females exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also males abandoned their natural function for female and burned in their desire toward one another. Males with males committing indecent acts and receiving their own person the due penalty of their error. Listen, my friends, it, it is written. It is clear. You can deny the Scriptures all day and you can suppress the truth and unrighteousness, but it is written. So I'm sorry if someone has sold you a fake Jesus that's palatable, a Christianity that is palatable, that doesn't hold you and myself accountable to the very Word of God. You may have bought some guy who just takes Scripture and manipulates it to, so that it's not offensive. You know you're dealing with these people because when they argue their facts, they never go to the Word of God because the Word of God condemns their thought process. And when you bring them to the Word of God, the thing they have to do is attack the authority of Scripture. Oh, that's just an old written book written by men. Is that your argument? The reality is, my friend, that you can't do that. You don't have the right. I don't have the right. Listen, I understand, and I get it. You say, Pastor, why are you so passionate? Because they're locking up people and putting them in jail for standing on the truth of God's Word. And who's going to stand up for them? Who's going to speak on their behalf when they are unable to speak? You say, well, they're not unable. Well, they're going to jail. I don't think they're going to give them a Wi-Fi service in the prison. The reality is, as I understand, we all struggle with sin. My sin isn't your sin. You may have a sinful desire of same-sex attraction. You, you may have the, the, the desire to manipulate the Word of God to accomplish something you... I, I deal with the same thing. Just in a different manner. But I don't have the right, do I? to just change the Word of God so that I can accomplish what I want to do. So that I can fulfill my own little kingdom and be my own little G-God. We don't have the right to abandon the authority of the Word of God so we can do what our heart wishes. Your heart is wicked, deceitful. Who can trust it? God will pour out His wrath because His character is wrath. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world is invisible attributes, His divine power, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So you can suppress the truth and unrighteousness, but my friends, we are all without excuse for it is written. God will pour out His wrath, His justice, and you can, like anybody else, repent of your sin and turn back to God and be forgiven. That's the gospel of grace. We don't look down on somebody who has same-sex attraction. We don't look down on somebody who is in a, a, a sinful lifestyle. 
But we don't want them to stay there. Even Jesus, when He forgave sin, He says what? Go and sin no more. We just love you enough to call it out what it says in the Scriptures and trust that the God of this universe who created you, who made you, who crafted you, the way He designed you to be, can change your heart and give you new desires. You're a new creation in Christ. The old things, what, have passed away. Behold, the new have come. So we say, yes, we maybe have been born that way, but weren't we all born into sin? Psalm 51.5 says, In my mother's womb I was conceived into iniquity. You, you, you're sinful at conception, my friend. That's why Jesus says you must be born again. We need new life. We need a new heart. We need new eyes. We need new desires. We need new passions. We, we need new abilities and the power of the Holy Spirit to allow Him to transform our hearts and give us the desires that can only come from God Almighty. But as long as we suppress the truth, we step on it and we hide it so it doesn't show up and everybody sees it. We're guilty. Listen, you can deny it. You can do all of that. But what you do not have the right to do is try to change and redefine Christianity. At least start your own religion. But we are not going to sit idle and let you hijack biblical Christianity that has held the view for 2,000 years because some young whoopersnapper comes out with some heretical interpretation of the Bible? Come on, really? You don't have the right to do that. Go create your own religion for which you really already have. You just want to do it under the skies of Scripture and the Word of God. And by doing so, you have brought wrath upon yourself. Well, you're hard, Pastor. Man, that's pretty hard. What, you want to see hard? Flip over to Revelation chapter 2. Let's talk about the church. Look at Revelation chapter 2, church of Thyatira. Verse 18. And to the angel, the church and Thyatira write, that is what the Son of God, the one who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like uh, brushed bronze, says. That's authoritative, just in case you didn't know. I know your deeds. Love. Your love. This is a loving church in Thyatira. They have good deeds. They're giving to the poor. They're helping one another. They're encouraging one another. Their deeds are good. I know your love and your faith. They have faith. For it is by grace through faith. And your service. I mean, these people are coming to church early and they're making coffee and setting up the PowerPoints and getting the online ministry ready. They're doing parking lot ministry because they're in Thyatira. Tower. They had, you know, all of these vehicles that were being brought in. They're serving the Lord. And perseverance. Man, they're pressing on. 
Yeah, they're, they're being attacked from all angles, but they're, they're, they, haven't turned, they haven't turned around and started abandoning the things of God. No, they're persevering. And that your last deeds are greater than your first. They are becoming better and better. I mean, man, this church is great. So, Pastor Stewart, how's your church? Oh, we're great. The retirement, man, we're, we're just doing well. We, we're increasing in righteousness. But the angel speaks of what the Son of God says. But that three-letter word, boy, will throw you in a tissy. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and deceives my slaves so that they commit sexual immorality in each thing sacrificed to idols. Oh, I gave her time to repent. She does not wish to repent of her sexual immorality. Isn't that interesting? Listen to me very clear. God is a patient God. And like He gives this woman time to repent, so He has given you time to repent of whatever it is that is habitual, that you have tolerated Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of her deeds. Everybody's on their own here. And I will kill her children with pestilence. And all the churches will know that I am He who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not have this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on them. Nonetheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. Listen. God's the one who defines sin. And He doesn't like sexual immorality. God defines sin and God will punish those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because it's the character of God. A justful wrath, but nonetheless wrathful. Flip back over to Romans 1. We've looked first at the character of God. But I want you to see secondly the compromise. The compromise. They have simply made a decision to reject God. 
He says in verse 21, for even though they knew God, they did not glorify God. They did not glorify Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened and professing to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the likeness of corruptible men and of birds and of four-footed creatures and uh, four-footed animals and crawling creatures. They have compromised against God and His Word and His standard. And even though the text says they knew God, how? Because God has already revealed it to them. He has stitched into the fabric the human mind and to His existence and His power so that when he, uh, he sees what God has created, He automatically knows within His heart that there is a God, that there is an order, that there is a structure. But even though they knew God, they automatically recognized His existence and His power. They did not glorify God or give Him thanks. Rather, they mocked His character. His creation. They're not satisfied with the way God made them. And thus we see a picture of the last days when men become lovers of self. Listen, God designed you perfectly for who you are. For His creative purposes. God, men, God has designed you to be men. To be a protector, to be a provider, to be a spiritual leader. And the reality is, is men have advocated their responsibility in this culture. I mean, I get the emails and I get the direct messages from wives all over this nation. You go to work, you come home, and you jump on your Xbox. Your wife's been raising your children. You don't treat your wife to a regular date night because you're too cheap. But oh, you got the latest money for the new Xbox game or the PlayStation game or booze or whatever it is you spend your money on. Whatever happened to loving our wives as Christ loved the church? Self-sacrificially. You need to be men. We need to be men. And I put me in there because I'm a man just like you men. We need to take care of our families in more ways than just making a check bringing home the money. Old Biden's giving you money, isn't he? but that don't make him your daddy. The government can give you money. That doesn't make them a man or the father of the home or a husband. They didn't, God did not make them the father of your children. And the husband to your wives. You know, the sad part is this. Some of people, and I'm preaching to the choir here because you're here, but some will be watching this this week. Husbands watching this this week from home because they failed to bring their family to church. Really? Because it's raining? You're scared you're going to get your shoes dirty? Your jacket wet? It's time to men up. Let's just call it like it is. Men need to be men. We need men in this country. 
We need men in this church and across the churches, across America and across the globe. And we need men to call men to be men. Stop advocating the responsibility for which God has given you and, and, and for whatever you're chasing. We got men running around in skinny jeans acting like women, dressing like prostitutes, reading to kids in libraries dressed up like women. And the sick part is there's some crazy person that would take their kids there. Men have been emasculated. We've told them they can't be men. Nowadays on commercials, dads stay home sick with the children, right? If you watch any TV, you'll notice that. Every father's an idiot. The wives are buying the husbands the pickup trucks for Christmas. What, are, are we blind to what's happening? It's a breakdown of the family. It's time to step up. Be men that glorify God and give Him thanks that God would think enough of us as men to be men and to, 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 to do what He has called us to do and glorify God by the way we lead our family. He's made you the way He's made you for a purpose. He just didn't go, hmm, let me think, man, hmm, woman, oh, that sounds good. No, He had intention. He had a purpose. There's an order that complements one another. And I need this reminder, just like every man needs this reminder. Because we all have a tendency to put aside that which God has called us to and to that which is most important. And it's time we get back on track. And the same could be said about women. Don't nudge your wife. God has called you women to nurture. Submit to your husbands. To raise children. When did that become a problem? When did that become a secondary job to a career? We're too quick to sell out our children for the sake of a career or for material things. And too many people, and you can call them pastors, are in the pulpit passively setting aside, patting people on the back, making Jesus more palatable and the roles of women and men more palatable so that they can keep numbers and finances coming up. Enough's enough! The decline of the culture, my friends, is the breakdown of the family. And some of you bought the lie. That there's anything in this world more valuable than a woman raising her children in a godly home. There is no job. There is no amount of money. There's nothing. Stop spending your money on that which cannot satisfy. Stop pursuing the temporal things. Raise up a godly generation ahead of you. 
fight against the desire. Again, the homosexual has a tendency to like the same sex. There is the desire for the man to advocate his role, willingly letting his wife step in and do the job he's been called to do. And the women have rightly taken up the role. You want to know why there's so many women pastors in our day? Because the men failed. If the men would step up, get trained and equipped to preach the Word of God, the women would rightfully step down, but they won't. There's too many fatherless homes. It's just, it, it is a devastation in our day. Many pastors scared to death to tell men they're failing to lead and scared to tell women that they've advocated their responsibility to nurture as God's designed them to do. And it's all falling apart. And we wonder why the world's going down so fast. Because <laughs> we don't know if we're going up or down or left or right. No, both men and women ought to glorify God and give thanks to God for making you who He made you to be and you fulfill the purpose for which God has called on your life. Notice the progression here of this downward spiral. They did not glorify Him or give Him thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Many of them bought a lie. Someone has fed you a bill of goods. They've entered your eyes. They've entered your ears. Ultimately, to dominate the terrain which is of the mind. And you've bought it. Many of you have bought it. Now you, and I understand, many of you understand where I'm coming from. We're speaking to a lot of people beyond these walls today in 2021. We have 41 people listening live right here this morning on Telegram. I don't know how many people on Vimeo. It's time that we sound the horn and honor God, glorify God, and give Him thanks for creating us the way He's created us. You say, well, I don't know how to be a man. I don't know how to be a woman. Find a godly woman and ask them, I need to know how to rule my life like this so that you can honor God. That's why in Romans 12 too, it says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Listen, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, listen, leads to death. Proverbs 14.12 tells us that. We cannot compromise, but that's what's happening in our culture. We're not glorifying God, and we're not giving thanks to God, and we're not having our minds renewed. And therefore, their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. And they are blinded to the reality that they've rejected the truth of God's for a lie. And the unfolding of the compromise says they became fools. That's strong language. Verse 23, and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the likeness of corruptible man. And the birds, and of the birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. See the progression? How it's just down and down and down? 
The exchange of a sovereign God for a false God is breathtaking. We would rather see the worship of a false teacher, palatable messages, not holding us accountable, believing a lie, and have them encourage you in your intentional sin than to submit to the One who made you and created you and designed you and fashioned into you the breath of life. In this exchange of the incorruptible God for a corruptible man is stunning. Listen, this moral and spiritual decline of idols shaped fashion like incorruptible men to the image of beast and and even to the creeping things shown, it, it, it reveals the, 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 the debased mind that, that, and how it gravitates to the lowest possible level. It was Luther that noted four steps or stages to per, perversion. Number one is ingratitude. They did not give thanks. If you want to journey down the, the road, just begin with ingratitude. Stop being thankful for the way God made you and God made things. Second is vanity. You start living in this sin, this lifestyle, it's vanity. Oh, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't hurt anybody, who cares? Well, it does hurt people. Because the next thing on the docket is pedophilia. Why do you think they're teaching children? It's Go read the U.S. Today or whatever it was. That's already promoting the idea that we misunderstand pedophilers. We don't misunderstand it. What's there to misunderstand It's sinful. It's wicked. It's a desire of evil in their hearts. And once you fall into vanity, the third step is blindness. And you can't even see it anymore. And once you are blinded, and God gives you what you want, you fall into the fourth and final category, and that is complete rejection of God. We are living in stage four of many people's lives today. You know why? Because they not only do it, but they promote it. So we see the character. Compromise. The suppression of truth. The rejection of God. And because of this, we thirdly see the compromise or the consequence of the compromise. We stated in the beginning that the wrath of God is revealed against heaven, from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And because there has been this rejection, there has been this compromise. And there's always, because of the compromise, a consequence. This applies to every area of our lives. If we fail to do what we know to be done, there is a consequence. If I fail to to remove the debris underneath 
this field that we're putting out here and we would have left the stump sitting there in 20 years, guess what would have happened? 10 years. It would have just fell right in. Compromise always has consequences. And so because of this rejection, there's a consequence of sin in the New Testament and there's a consequence of sin for the future rejection of God and His Word. But notice, if you will, the current consequences due to the current compromises. The text reads, verse 24, Therefore God gave them over to the lust of their heart, to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Listen, one of the ways in which God delivers His current, His present wrath, is that He can turn you over to a depraved mind. You don't want that. Because there's no guarantee you're coming out of that. And if you are turned over by Almighty God to the desires of your flesh and you no longer care about the things of God, then you are blinded, you've experienced vanity, and now you are an all-out rebellion against Almighty God. You see, God allowed sin to run its course as an act of judgment. God's wrath mentioned in Romans 1 is not an active outpouring of divine displeasure necessarily. But what we see is the removal of restraint that allows sinners to reap the just fruits of their rebellion. The Spirit of God pushing in on our conscience, that common grace that we say this is wrong, I I shouldn't do this. But when we do it and, and our minds are dulled, we've bought a lie. God, just turn you over. You reject long enough, my friend. It just turn you over, give you what you desire. If you want to be all intellectual and a heady and you think you can figure out this whole God thing and how the earth exists and your creation because you've got some big brain and you can understand philosophy and philosophical reasoning and numbers and all of these things, God might just give it to you. Be smart. There are going to be plenty of smart people in hell. The reality is, Don't allow these things to corrupt your mind. God can give you over. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. There it is, the great exchange. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. In the moment... You, you, you want to worship that which is in the moment? Temporal satisfaction? Or you want to worship Him who is blessed forever? It may seem like a blessing in the moment. But I think you want to worship the Creator rather than the creature. For this reason, verse 26, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. Now, He's going to describe to you and to everybody listening very clearly what is considered dishonorable passions. I'm not creating this. This isn't my words. This is the words of God. Thus it is written, my friend. 
He says, for they exchange, the females exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. So here's the argument. You need to know this because you're going to hear this. I heard this when I was at Columbia International University and I went to debate between a woman, homosexual, and a Bible student uh, when I was just a young believer. And this was her argument. I was born this way. Therefore, it would be unnatural for me to have relations with the opposite sex other than the way God created me. That is a gross interpretation of the Word of God. That is like, just name it and claim it. Make it what you want. And you know why I think it's a gross error? Because you don't have the right, and I don't have the right, to rip a verse out of context. Read the whole thing. It's very clear what he's saying. And in the same way also, males abandoned their natural function for... What's the natural function for a male? Female. But they've abandoned that as well. And if there's any confusion, he says they burned in their desires toward one another. Male with males. Committing what? Indecent acts and receiving their own persons the due penalty of their error. Can you please tell me again how homosexuality is not a sin? How do you justify that from the Word of God? Again, don't recreate Christianity. Create your own religion. But you look foolish when you try to uphold your sin in the face of Almighty God who says He will pour out His wrath. And if you've bought that lie, listen, I am extremely disappointed in the one who told you that. And I am sorry. And I want to come alongside of you and implement conversion therapy to teach you from the Scriptures how God loves you and fashioned you and created you the way He created you for His glory so that you can give thanks. It is sin, my friend, to act against the order for which God has created that is appropriate. And people just want to sit around and say it's okay, but not me, it's written, my friends. They want this lifestyle. They just fail to submit to God's Word. That's the bottom line. And that's okay. Because for 21 years of my life, I failed to submit to the Word of God as well. And I was no greater than them. I was sinful. I was wretched. I was in need of a Savior. And even as a Christian, I've done some pretty bad things. Yet for the grace of God. We don't want to walk out of these doors not understanding God's grace and compassion and mercy. I'm not saying that you feel terrible or you don't feel terrible. I'm not saying that you don't struggle. But what I am saying is that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. Paul described these practices as shameful, unnatural, indecent, and as a perversion. And although, verse 32, they, 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 they know the righteous requirement of God, they realize they are wrong, and yet the people in view are those who practice the evil described in these previous verses. And the text says those who practice such things are worthy of death. Listen, that's bad news. I plead that you hear 
The wages of sin is death. It's always death. It will always be death. Stop letting some progressive, cool, hip, false teacher that looks good, has great camera with great depth perception and lighting and smokes and screens and all that's offered in this progressive movement of Christianity of our day. Stop believing the lie. Ask them. Ask them to their face. Is homosexuality a sin? If they say they do not say, yes, it's a sin, leave. Period. It's that simple. Just ask them. Do you believe homosexuality is a sin? If they reject that it's sin, you have no business under their teaching. And that would solve most of our problems in our day because many would abandon churches every across this globe this morning. And some of the biggest churches who are filled with the coolest music and the grandest music, and they got paid musicians and their music is excellent and all of the great preaching and the illustrations. And yet, you know what you don't hear? <laughs> this. This. They give you everything but this. Well, how does it make you feel? It doesn't matter how it makes you feel. When you get to heaven and, or when you get to hell and you're burning, how does it feel? No, 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 no. No, no, no. What does the word say? Because this is what matters. My heart is that you hear and you respond to the grace of God. And although, verse 32, they knew the righteous requirement of God, those who practice such things are worthy of death. Not only do they do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. There was a uh, LGBTQ event published on Facebook in Bluffton. And I spoke out against it. You ought to see the Christians who threw rocks at me. Really? Christians throwing rocks at me because I say this isn't good for the community? Because they had, they had drag queens reading to kids? I, you're throwing a rock at me? Who do you worship? It ain't the God of the Bible. Because He is a God of wrath. And He will pour out His judgment. On wickedness. And wickedness has made a long uh, gaining process in our culture. If men are to escape the wrath of God, listen, they must repent and turn to the one who gives grace and mercy as well as wrath, who poured out and took your wrath on Calvary. Those who reject God's provision for forgiveness and salvation, listen, they will face the future outpouring of divine wrath. Judgment far greater than any man has ever seen or heard of in his life. They will be judged for their works. And shame on us if we give hearty approval. Hearty approval. You want to support it? You want to pat them on the back? Go ahead. Do it. But don't do it in the name of Christianity. We will not bow the knee to Bill C-4 nor anything else that comes up in this country. We will not bow the knee to a tyrannical government that wants to promote abortion and homosexuality and all this other nonsense that's unbiblical. We will not stand for it. We're going to stand against it. 
And we will not speak, we will not stop speaking truth. And we will certainly not give hearty approval to it. And for all of our brothers in Canada that may find themselves in prison, we stand with you. And one day, maybe we will have the blessing of joining you. Because like Polycarp said, blessed that we can taste and share the cup, the suffering of Christ. They may stone us and leave us for dead, but let us be like Paul, get up, go back in and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, we will not submit to a confused culture in private improving of sin and lifestyles. We, we will love you. We will never accept sinful behavior. You should never accept my sinful behavior just like I should never accept yours. Why? Because it is written. We're not all that much different. We all are sinful, falling short of the glory of God, and we need a Savior. And God saw our inability and it's not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son that we might have life and forgiveness, that we might be redeemed, that our minds might be renewed, and that we might walk in a way that honors and glorifies and gives thanks to God who gave us life. But it only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. For when you become a new creation in Christ, the old things have passed away. Behold, the new have come. Now I encourage you, as these words fall on your ears this morning, stand bold. Stand bold in the faith. For it is written. Let's pray. Hey, we want to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you are challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of John. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.